Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. I'm Ema Jackson-Obot, Deputy Features Editor at FT Advisor. A significant recent trend in the UK has been the gradual shift away from home ownership towards renting. With a 60% growth in private renting households since 2007, increasingly we have seen the emergence of generation rent. The proportion of households renting is expected to grow to about one in four homes this year. And the biggest driver of this, of course, has been the soaring cost of properties relative to people's salaries, meaning that it has been difficult for people to raise the amount needed for deposits. Home ownership has become a distant dream for many, and renting is becoming the new norm for large sections of society, including families and older people. So what does this mean for the protection insurance market? UK homeowners are already known to be underprotected with about 58% of mortgage holders having life insurance in place, while under 30% have critical illness cover or income protection. However, this still puts them far ahead of renters, as about fewer than 1 in 10 in rented accommodation have insurance that would cover their rent if they were unable to work due to illness. This puts renters at considerable more financial risk than people with mortgages. Unfortunately, at the moment, the protection needs of renters are not well served by the industry. So what can be done to close the protection gap for renters? Joining me today to discuss this are Abby Greenhalgh, Director at Nest Financial Services, and Andy Walton, Protection Proposition Director at the Mortgage Advice Bureau. Hello to you both. Hi, Emma. Morning. Hi. Hi. Um, just to kick off, um, first of all, it's probably worth looking at how we got to this point and how the protection gap has become so wide for renters. Um, As well as soaring property prices, which has priced many people out of being able to afford a mortgage, why are so few renters purchasing protection insurance? Is it a case of them being reluctant to do so, or is it that not enough renters are being told about the value of protection insurance? Could I come to you first with that question, please, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, you're right. There is this. Uh, there is a huge gap there. There's, as you've already pointed out, there's 15 million tenants in the UK, and it, and it's growing and will continue to grow. We believe, and and the question is, why aren't they sort of getting the, the you know the right level of protection? Uh, and I think a lot of it is just down to a simple fact that, of course, somebody that is buying a mortgage by default is going to speak to an advisor. Um, And when they speak to an advisor, they're going to generally review the customer's provisions and look at their ability to keep paying the mortgage. But uh, that isn't the case with a a tenant in many, many uh, cases. In fact, the vast majority of cases, there is no advisor involved in the process. But of course, the tenant still got a commitment to pay the rent. But who's checking what provisions that they've got and whether they can keep paying the rent. And the answer is nobody. And, and, and so therefore, you know, it's, it becomes very important that at some point in that process of a, somebody that is actually uh, renting a property, that an advisor is dropped into that process. And Abby, do you have any thoughts on this as well? Why are not enough, why not enough renters are purchasing protection insurance so yeah I mean to be fair absolutely agree with Andy just from a a simple process perspective they just don't come across 
an opportunity to sit down with somebody who's got the knowledge to be able to educate and advise as to why it is important that they should consider some form of protection. And then I guess, you know, going on from that, there's then complexities around the type of renter they are. So are they young, you know, footloose and fancy free and believe that they're a little bit untouchable and therefore don't feel that they've maybe got to the point in life that they should have some form of protection? naively so um and then you know as, as you move through that that age group sectors you know different people have different views and for me it's a big combination in terms of the simple fact that the journey they go on to rent a property most of the time means that they don't come across any form of, of advisor but then also the lack of education simply around the protection market and the lack of understanding about what's available to them and why they should consider it, it means that ultimately they end up missing out. What, what are the different needs for uh, different types of renters depending on their age group when you look at when you compare older renters to younger renters? Um, Abby, if you could, yeah, continue on that point, yeah. Yeah. So obviously, if you look at a young a young renter, um, you know, early twenties, they might think, oh well, I'm pretty invincible. It's unlikely that anything's gonna um, cause me to get ill. It's unlikely, and it, and it is unlikely that they're suddenly going to pass away. But they're also potentially only going to be dipping into that rental market for a couple of years as they ultimately aim for most of them, to, to get onto the housing market at some point in the future. So for the younger renter, it could be that they're thinking, I kind of know that it exists. I think I need it, but I'll consider it at the point I enter into home ownership. So you've got these people at the, the younger end of that rental scale, whereas then you've got your, your older renters, you know, so you've got your kind of your family people in the middle and then, and then upwards into your over 50s, over 55s. Well, certainly at the point you get to over 55, at that point, it's unlikely that they've still got dependent children to be responsible for. So therefore, they start to think about, well, do I need to leave a lump sum behind for somebody? Pension income is going to start to kick in. That pension income is guaranteed. So therefore, do I need to consider protection? The issue with all of that is that they're generally making that decision themselves rather than speaking to an advisor to get some proper advice. Um, so, Andy, does there need to be a closer working relationship then, in that case, between people who are renting and sort of, you know, how do they, With I suppose what I'm asking is, how can we start closing this protection gap? Does there need to be a closer relationship? Because you're looking at things like pensions, you're looking at the, you know, the future earnings, retirement income, how all that bears down on, prote- on protection insurance and protection cover. Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, the, the bottom line is the advice infrastructure has got to be embedded into the in, into the lettings world, right? And until that actually happens, we're going to continue to have the gaps because customers are not going to be aware of these gaps that we were, that were just pointed out there by Abby. I mean, there's there's clearly gaps for customers at all age groups, whether they're in the 20s or in the 50s or whatever age group, because people have got ongoing commitments and bills that need to be paid and their income that's coming in is supporting all of those out- outgoings. And so for me, the critical bit is how do we embed advice into the lettings journey? And um, we've been working hard in that in that area to see 
how can how can we do that is it possible to refer uh, somebody that's just about to rent a property into an advisor we've done a, a huge amount of work in in relation to that it isn't easy it isn't straightforward but we found that as soon as you can embed an advisor into that journey that customers at this time are very very receptive because of course we've just come through you know the, the the world's biggest health crisis in you know many many generations and we're finding that people are aware of the fragility of health you know everybody has suddenly uh, looked at uh, their own health in a different way than we've done in the past um, and they've also sort of realized the uncertainty of ongoing income and in fact of course the government have recognized this and have put in place the furlough scheme that's still in place now a year later. And really, I suppose, arranging protection is a bit like setting up your own private furlough scheme, protecting you against sickness, critical illness and health. And we found many people in Rented are, are very surprised that there's products out there that can help them, especially with income. I think a lot of people, when it comes to mortgages, know that there is sort of mortgage protection. There's products there that can pay off a mortgage in terms of a lump sum. Uh, we found that many renters don't need lump sums, aren't interested in lump sums. What they're interested in is protecting income. And when we explain that there are income products that can help them if they're off work sick, if they get critically ill, if they die, we've, we've actually found that it's a real eye-opener and, and many of them don't even know that those products even exist. So, you know, that. but I come back to saying we've got to embed an advisor somehow or other, either as a referral or actually within uh, a, lettings, a lettings agency, who, of course, are the ones who are dealing with these uh, tenants as they're, as, they're, as they're coming through. Great, thank you. Um, Andy, could you actually expand a bit more and, you know, paint a picture for what that, you know, embedding that process looks like? I mean, can you give some examples of maybe you've heard already? Yeah, absolutely. So what we did, we sort of analysed the whole renting process. I mean, our world at Mortgage Advice Bureau, is by, by, by definition of the title of our business, has been heavily focused on on mortgages. So we've almost over the last 18 months been analysing exactly what somebody that's going to rent a property actually goes through. What are all the stages? What does a negotiator in a lettings agency do? And what do they say? And when do they say it? And we, we highlighted that there's six key stages when somebody rents a property. There's, there's first of all the viewing, then there's an application stage, then there's an acceptance stage, then there's a sign-up appointment, then there's key collection, and then there's, uh, a, you know, ongoing property uh, visits. And so these six stages we sort of analysed and tried to work out where does protection fit in that journey? When should it be positioned? When should they actually uh, speak to a, an advisor? How does the negotiator referring to an advisor what 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 language is used and to be honest what we found was it's quite interesting that many of the key principles that we've learned over many many decades in relation to mortgages are exactly the same principles when it comes to um, people who are renting 
So one of the very, very key principles is in the mortgage world, you have to position with a customer absolute outset of the initial conversation about the different stages of the journey. Some advisors might call it an agenda. Some might actually just call it, you know, different processes that we need to go through. There's all sorts of different language. But what we found was in the rental market, it's the same thing. The the negotiator needs to position not only the fact that we're going to uh, find you the right property to rent, we're also, as part of what we do in, in our world, of our, in, in our lettings world, we also make sure that you're able to keep up the repayments or the payments uh, when it comes to your rent. And uh, we look at protecting your deposits. We look at protecting your contents. We look at protecting your income as well. So we do these two different things. We find the property and we also ensure you can stay in the property. And, and, and protect the things around you, including yourself. And it's that type of thing that we found sort of works. And then later on, during the process, you reiterate that there's another part to what, what we need to do. And at some point, there's then a referral across into an advisor. And that tends to be around about the acceptance stage. So once the property has been accepted and the landlord has agreed and everything is sort of... Uh, accepted on both sides that's when uh, a protection appointment is booked and we actually found that um, we, we we actually removed the name protection advisor out of the out of the conversation and we we called them a tenant care advisor and the tenant care advisor did those things i've just spoken about protected deposits protect your contents and protect your income and so it became a, a wider conversation than just about looking at protection it, it, it itself great that sounds really interesting um abby can you give a, a, any examples um thing any initiatives that you've seen sort of implemented in the industry have you, have you implemented any initiatives at your firm as well to help close the protection gap yeah so so we're we're very different to mab in that we don't have any form of estate agency relationships or tie-ups or any connections to letting agencies at all. But I guess what we put at the heart of the business is that protection forms part of the conversation with every single client that crosses the doorstep, regardless of what stage of the journey they're at. So yes, absolutely, most people will come and see me because actually they're wanting to get onto the housing ladder or they're moving house. They, the primary number of people who come because they're wanting mortgage advice primarily However, I do get an element of clients who will contact me sometimes six or 12 months in advance of them being ready to buy, but they're ringing up and asking for help because they might know that their credit file isn't quite right, or they might just want some comfort and help in terms of, I know I want to buy in the future, but I also know that you can help me to get house ready now. Now, those clients still have the same kind of protection conversation as anybody who's come in mortgage ready today. So they're either still at home living with parents or they're already in the private rental sector. Now, if I look back at that, we've already had an amazing success story where you have the conversation and we've absolutely protected income for the client in terms of having the conversation that, yes, we recognise it's probably going to take you 12 to 18 months just, just to be able to save up a deposit, for the level of house that you want to buy 
But actually, on that journey getting there, there is no reason why you shouldn't be protected on that journey. And with that particular scenario, we had a family who are currently, where well, they've currently bought now, but they were in private rented at the time. We looked at some critical illness cover, including children's cover and some income protection. Now, along that journey, second child was born with a children's condition and ultimately £50,000 was paid out. Now, that £50,000, interestingly, covered mum, who was inadvertently made redundant because of the amount of time she was having to take off work to look after baby. So part of that critical illness, children's critical illness payout, has covered lost income. But also, interestingly, a good chunk of that has contributed towards topping up their deposit. And, you know, they, they, they moved in the beginning of December. So they, you know, they are now happily on their journey with, you know, new you know, new protection plans to cover the new mortgage that has since been created. But if we hadn't had that conversation about protection at that time or ignored them because they were in private rented accommodation, then ultimately they would never have had the payout that they've had. Now, yes, absolutely hand on heart. I'm sure they would much rather say that they hadn't had to go through that journey with their little boy, but it's far better to go through that journey knowing that income was never a concern. Abby, that's um, a fantastic example. And we, we've got similar ones as well. And I think it really does show, as you've just pointed out in a very personal way, you know, the value that giving customers the opportunity to consider protection when they're beginning their rental journey, or to be fair, at any stage of their life, you know, it's just, it adds so many more options to them. And it takes away some of that pain that uh, obviously they were feeling in, in that instance. It's given them options and it's given them, you know, that, that uh, more choices and ultimately help them to fulfill what they wanted to do, which is to buy a house. I mean, we we find, as, as has already been mentioned, that many customers that are moving into rented actually don't want to be in rented and aspire to buy a house at some point, buy, buy their first home in many, many instances. And actually, we find that the protection conversation is almost part of getting them mortgage ready. Uh, I totally agree with what Abby was saying there in terms of that. And getting themselves mortgage ready is, is protecting their credit score. Part of it is arranging protection and securing their income, uh, securing their out, you know, their, their, their financial situation. Protection does do that. And perhaps we don't talk about that past uh, as much as we should. How well is the industry doing in trying to help, you know, narrow this gap? Are more advisors becoming more proactive in having conversations that it necessarily would have been having in the past? Are providers being more innovative from what you're seeing? I don't necessarily, personally, I don't necessarily feel that the providers necessarily need to be more innovative. For me, the the basic policies, they they already exist. So if you wanted some form of life insurance or critical illness or income protection, it doesn't actually matter whether you're a homeowner or you live in rented accommodation. So the, the, the basics are there. I think as an industry, I think we are getting better. And I think there is a real good, sizable portion of advisors who are exceptionally good 
at having a very, very strong mortgage conversation and having a very, very strong protection conversation at the same time. I think there is more to be done in terms of closing the gap between where possible those advisors who have got access to or have a relationship with an estate agency, letting agency kind of environment. And yes, I would think that there's something more to be done there. But in general, actually, the biggest thing that can be done is wider, simple education to the population, you know, to the masses, that these products exist and that they do pay out and that they are worth the monthly cost. And they are built purposefully there to help and support you at the worst possible time. And I guess because because of the industry that Andy and I work in, unfortunately, we have lots and lots of stories up our sleeves for lots and lots of policies that have paid out. So we're very acutely aware of lots of instances where these policies are absolutely fabulous when somebody really, really needs some help. But unfortunately, a lot of those stories just aren't made available or you almost need the government to do like, um, you know, like a little bit like the Green Cross Code Man when we were kids at school. You almost need like a critical illness or income protection kind of government advertising campaign to educate people and make people aware. Because as a specialist, we know they exist. And unfortunately, we all have lots of stories where policies have paid out. but We're not the mass population. Abby, just to pick up on what you've said there, um, again, I totally agree. The It's interesting how many members of the general public, if you like, that aren't in our industry, how many of them have absolutely no clear idea as to what percentage of claims are actually paid out. And what we've done some research recently where we, after a customer's actually bought protection, right, We've asked them, because we haven't told them in our sales process at that point, they've bought protection and we've asked them, what percentage of claims do you think are paid out? You've just taken out, let's say, a life and physical illness policy or whatever it is. What percentage of claims do you think are actually paid out? And the average customer tells us a figure of less than 50%. So they've just bought this policy believing that less than 50% actually pay out. And, and when we demonstrate to them, which we do at that point, and, and, and we show them the provider's actual stats that might show 96, 97, 98%, they're absolutely bowled over that it's those sorts of um, levels of percentages that are paid out. So I think you're right. There should be, I think there's a lot more to do in the UK about really showing the incredible percentages of claims that actually are successful. And this it's, it, it happens to be an industry that genuinely does want to pay out. And it really does work. The other thing I was just going to mention as well, just in terms of the providers, is that, again, I'd agree that we've got the core products that all work. I mean, they've been around for a long time. We know that they work. There has been some innovation, though, uh, though perhaps limited, but there has been some innovation in the last sort of 12 months, especially where providers have started adding in uh, rental guaranteed insurability options, which is lingo, I know, in our world. But but actually, you know, there was no mention of anything to do with rent whatsoever in any policy before about 12 months ago. 
And now all of a sudden providers are recognizing this market more, are building in options. And I, I personally think there's more that could be done in, in that area to sort of recognize perhaps the transition out of uh, the rental market into mortgage market for some. And at the moment, you might have to write a brand new policy and have brand new underwriting to move from a rental position to a mortgage position. And you might not, as a, somebody who's rented, uh, have taken out a, a large DTA policy. Well, you wouldn't have done. Why would you have taken out a DTA policy as when you rented? You, you wouldn't. But is there a way that if a customer moves out of rented into the mortgage world, that providers from an underwriting point of view can assist in that journey and make it much smoother and, and almost maybe even transition the actual type of policy uh, in, from, from one that's more income related to one that's more lump sum related in relation to the debt that the customer might have in the future. And we're talking to providers uh, a lot at high levels about these types of things because we think there is some innovation that can be brought uh, to, to the market in, in these ways. But just to reiterate, can we at the moment give advice and can we actually solve customers' needs with what we've got? Absolutely, yes, we can. So that the products are out there, the information's out there, the claim statistics are out there. It's about getting it in front of the people exactly. who actually really need it. So is it something that, I mean, could employers be a route? You know, people work, you know, could that be a route to getting that information there? Or is it something that needs more government sort of buying the government to sort of drive some sort of campaign to get to get that information out there i think certainly it could uh, employers could could play a part to me it's looking at low-hanging fruit could the government start you know doing some sort of uh, advertising and sort of promotion and so on absolutely and that can only uh, potentially help the more awareness there is um, the, the, the lowest hanging fruit, though, has got to be working with those who are dealing with customers in this market. We're talking about customers here that are renting, and we're talking about how do we encourage customers who are renting to buy protection. And it's got to be the case, in my view, that's got to happen in the lettings world. It's a little bit like saying... How, how do we get a mortgage advisor to give mortgage advice, you know, when somebody's buying a property? All that's happened is estate agents have linked themselves to mortgage advisors and it works. If you imagine, imagine that there weren't any mortgage advisors sat in estate agency worlds and there were no connections there. We'd be having exactly the same conversation about how do we protect mortgage customers? You know, how do we act? Do we need government campaigns? We need this, that, and the other? Well, the answer is, well, actually, we don't. All we need is the mortgage advisor to be sat in an estate agency where the customer is actually buying a property. And the two have been linked together for decades upon decades. Nobody has made that link in the lettings world. And as soon as that happens, you know, the, 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 the hundreds of thousands of people who rent new properties every single year would suddenly be joined up with an advisor that's part of the process that as in my view might be wrong but in my view that's got to be the way that we tackle it it's exactly what's happened in the mortgage world needs to happen in the rented world why isn't it happening as much do you think just to, on that point i mean if it's something that's you know it seems 
like you've, the way you've explained it, both you and Abby, you know, it seems so obvious. Why isn't it happening? Mm. Well, I think with a mortgage, of course, you have to borrow cash. And therefore, if you're going to borrow cash, you're in the world of financial advice. I can buy, I can move in and rent a property without that particular element. And because it isn't a necessary part of the of actually uh, renting a property, it can therefore be bypassed and uh, and thought has to be given to it. And it has to be, you know, put into the process as a, as, as a definite thought process. It isn't just something that's going to happen naturally. The mortgage part has been embedded, as I say, because the customer has to have from somewhere or other mortgage advice. There's very few that are buying properties in cash and need no financial advice at all. You know, it's probably 95% of people need financial advice, but it's still got to be the case. So that explains why it hasn't happened. But can it happen? Yes, it can. And we've got evidence that it, that it, that it is happening and lettings firms are becoming far more engaged with this. And, you know, we've, but it's got to be pointed out. It's got to be embedded in. It, it, it doesn't just happen on its own. That's what we found. You want to add anything to that at all, Abby? Well, I agree with Andy. Ultimately, it needs to be embedded in. I guess I would go one step further in terms of it's a harder, it's a harder conversation to have with somebody who's renting versus somebody who's buying a mortgage. You know, so they need the mortgage. They understand they've got a financial decision to make, and therefore, there's already uh, something in the back of their mind that makes them aware of somebody's likely to mention some form of insurance to me, whether it's buildings and contents, life insurance, income protection, critical, you know, whatever it might be. I think from a lettings perspective, the person who's renting that property isn't expecting to have that conversation, isn't expecting to speak to anybody with regards to financial situation or, or, or you know a conversation about how are you going to protect that future income is not expected so therefore I think you're already pushing against a not a closed door but a door that's less ajar so therefore it's a more complicated and a more time consuming conversation ultimately has that put advisors off in the past possibly incredibly busy there'll be easier people with more open doors to speak to elsewhere well that's not to say that as an industry we should be trying harder to push those doors open but it needs to work both ways in terms of advisors willing to spend the time and try and infiltrate and embed themselves into a letting agent but equally for a letting agency to see the benefit of ensuring that their tenants are protected and I think there's still some work to be done around that piece but ultimately it comes back to the education of the UK population because that door wouldn't be as closed or would be more ajar if it was expected that you were going to be having that conversation at some point and ultimately we're we're not at that place yet across the UK. Thank you Abby. Um, Andy I just wanted to ask just lastly um, if you could tell us a little bit more about your partnership with um, LNG and how that's gone. Yeah, so I guess I've touched on it to some extent. We have worked with LNG from a rental point of view. So they, we, we, we sat down together and said, well, look, there's this huge market. What can we do to develop it? 
what sort of things and some of those innovations that I touched on earlier are some of the some of the things that came out of the conversations with LNG and on the back of those conversations they they launched a product that was specifically branded and labeled as a as a rental product and that rental product primarily as Abby was saying is using the core products that we've already got it's using income protection it's using family income benefit essentially those those were the two income related products that we focused in on and those two products were labeled up rental protect and i think having just the you know the the the, the word if you like that's associated with their current environment i.e you're renting and here's a product that fits your current world uh, certainly it really, really helps. And I think on the back of that, it's been interesting because there's been a flurry of other providers that have followed suit by adding in uh, guaranteed insurability options that are quite similar. I think it's fair to say, and I'm sure LNG would say this as well, that this is just the start of a number of changes that can be brought into these products that align even more. And most importantly, again, as I alluded to before, bring flexibility. I think it's a key, key word, really. What we, we need more and more flexibility for customers taking out protection. We tend to sell quite rigid arrangements that are quite difficult to, to move. They can be moved, but it's not, it's not straightforward to move them into one environment into another. Changing sums assured, changing terms, changing income to lump sums, vice versa. These things aren't straightforward. But as I say, we, we, we're working in, in that area. There is one last thing I wanted to just mention. We, we, we have, just picking up on Abby's point um, about the fact that, you know, people aren't expecting when they're renting a property to have these conversations. And that is absolutely the case. But what we found is that when you position it properly with a tenant from outset, that the actual take up of protection isn't quite as good as in the mortgage world, but it's not very far off. I'll give you a quick example. One lettings agency over a two-month period agreed 216 lets. 202 of those were booked in to speak to a tenant care advisor, which is code for a financial advisor. And effectively, they said, Look, there's 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 four things that we get that this tenant care advisor is going to do. They're going to ensure that your deposit's protected, your credit rating is protected, your contents are protected, and even your income is protected. That's what the tenant care advisor does. Ninety-four percent agreed to an appointment with a tenant care advisor on that basis. A hundred and thirty-seven of them kept the appointment, so there was some drop-off there, but a hundred and thirty-seven did. 93 out of the 137 bought liability and contents insurance and 33 out of the 137, so 24%, bought some type of protection which was mainly around income protection. But that just shows you, and this was a, a, a fairly limited pilot over a limited period of time, not that long ago, to say if it's positioned, what actually happens? And I don't think, you know, we, we, we had ticked every single box on that journey. And I'm pretty certain that we can drive up that percentage of 24% buying protection, probably well over 30 and maybe pushing 40%, which isn't quite where the mortgage is at the minute. We're well over 
overall taking into account all mortgages. But look, you know, at the end of the day, it shows that customers will buy, do buy, as long as it is positioned in the right way to them at the right time and they understand, you know, it's part of the journey to renting a property. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you very much, Abby, for joining us today. Thank you as well to our listeners. Developments are clearly underway in the industry to close the uh, protection gap from what you've both said, but obviously more still needs to be done. Please join us next week for our next FT Advisor podcast. Thank you very much.